Hello, everyone. Welcome to Struggle Welcome Session. Welcome to the Halt and Catch Fire Fest edition of Struggle Session. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when you combine, combine the hottest podcast in all of pop wow. culture with the most innovative convention going on today? I mean, all those other conventions are up there taking place in meat space Ugh. where there's nothing but COVID and disease Terrible. out there. Very Terrible, irresponsible. Awful. But what you get here, you have two innovators at the top, you know, Kate and Joan, mm -hmm. two women with such vision. You have, you know, that ass kicker YB, who you just saw put on that wonderful trivia show, mm -hmm. you know, in there making the deals. They were able to get us. They were able to get struggle session for this wonderful show. And it was a very tense negotiation oh, yeah. because... You know, it, it was always our dream to appear on Halt and Catch Fire Fest, mm -hmm. the wonderful convention for the un deeply, deeply underappreciated show, uh, Halt and Catch Fire, uh, from AMC. But the, there was a slight problem that that neither of us had watched Halt and Catch Fire. Big problem, yeah. You know, uh, uh, neither of us had caught it, so you know that was kind of like a an issue for appearing at this particular fest, which is entirely about this show. Yeah, but we, after some very, very tense negotiations, you know, we were we held the line. We were able to come to a deal. And that's where our guests come in, because we told uh, Joan and Kate that the only way we're doing this, if we can bring in some es experts mm -hmm. who have watched some of the show and can do most of the work for us. That's right. And, you know, it, it took a lot to get these guests on, because first up, we have... Um, the host of Useful Idiots podcast, as well as a show by her own namesake. She was just doing a stream. I, I, I kid you not. The stream she was just on was a about freeing Julian Assange. Okay, this is a heavy hitter in the world of politics, in the world of media. You've seen her all over on national TV. Kay Halper, thank you so much. For Thanks doing for us having me. Yeah, of course. Our struggle session at FireCon. Uh, Katie, uh, I, I brought you in. You had not watched Halt and Catch Fire yet either, but you were excited for it. I was. I needed a new show, and uh, it was everything I hoped it would be, honestly. Yeah. I, I Yeah. Yeah, you texted me. I wasn't sure if you would like it or not, but you texted me. It's like, oh, yeah, I actually really like this. And I'm like, oh, I'm not imposing on you by asking you to watch no. all this TV within a week to, yeah. for the show. Really, really, uh, really great. And then we needed someone who had not only seen every episode of this show, but was simply an expert at television. Mm -hmm. uh, he is, you know, one of the probably the only person in the world who seems to get smarter from watching TV. <laughs> it's like R the Riddler from Batman forever. Like that, that thing where it beam, we use the TV, the beam intelligence into, in, into his head, Lenny Burnham. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank you com for coming back to struggle session. I, I saw that you were a Halt and Catch Fire fan. And that is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this convention. Because if, if you think the show is good, I know it's good. Thank you. <laughs> so we're going to get into it. We didn't get to watch all of it. Uh, Katie, mm. I know you watched all of season one. Is that correct? I watched the entire, every See? single episode ever created 
For season one. Of the season one, sure. Of, of season one, yes, season. yes, yes. I mean, in fact, if we were in the UK, you could say you watched the entire series, the first series. Oh, yeah, series. you watched the first series. I watched the first series, yeah. 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 And uh, we also have, uh, and Jack, yes. I took I took season two. That's I right. took I took the second season, which I really enjoyed. And thankfully, YB had watched the show and didn't realize I had mostly watched all of it. I most of my TV viewing is just over YB's shoulder while I'm like <laughs> playing Switch or playing on my phone. So I had actually mostly seen everything, but I actually have not seen season one. But I saw, watched all of season two and season three and season four. I got now, Jack. I did message you the other day. I was like, could you get season three? Were you able to get season three for me? So I'll tell you what, Leslie, you emailed very, very studiously. You sent an email to everybody sort of laying out um, exactly what everybody needs to watch. And, you know, uh, um, you know, everything for this, for, you know, for what we're going to do here for Halt and Catch Firecon. Um, That was, you know, with a respectable amount of time and all that. The biggest issue is that I don't check my emails i don't do it i've i've signed off of it all all together and i don't look at them because it's just stressful and i don't like the bold stuff it's too much bold in your emails and stuff like that so i got the heads up and reminder from you i think it was yesterday uh that i was to watch all of season three and i'll tell you what folks i did watch season three in a very special new method that I figured out uh, that I think will only work for prestige shows. Now, listen, I do want to say this. I'm here at this convention. I actually, after watching season three, even with this method, um, do really want to watch the show. Um, you know, I, I think that the show is really cool. Um, but what I did was, and this works, and I think it will only work for prestige television shows, is I turned the subtitles on and was very, very, very... Um, I, I use the skip ahead 10 seconds method over and over and over again. And I'll tell you what, it's prestige TV. So there's a lot of times when I would skip ahead like 40 seconds and it would just be like someone being sad. And 40 seconds later, they were just still being sad. Um, <laughs> I fully can tell you every point of the plot of season three of Halt and Catch Fire. Uh, I saw every moment of it, and I will go watch the full show after this. Jack, uh, but it's I, a method that works. Oh, see, Jack, we have some detractors in the chat, but see, oh, the, the, these are like the people who are always, you know, slagging off Joe, who don't see his vision. Jack, you innovated. You invented a new way mm -hmm. to watch TV, and Jack, I, I, I'm very excited about what we can possibly do with this. We could probably pitch this to other podcasters, a special mm -hmm. plugin for Netflix that <laughs> skips to only each line so that you can get through all your content for all your podcasts yes. as fast as possible. This Fo is my big Joe McMillan idea. This you keep is the volume up or no? Are you hearing? Is the volume on? So the volume's on. I have the subtitles on, but you know, you basically just you skip ahead, and then if someone says a response to something that you don't, you didn't get, you skip back. You see what the question is, then you skip ahead again. It's like just popping in and out yeah. of you know. I'm. It's like this flash. I'm popping in and out of the speed force <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> 
And Lenny, of course, you are our expert. You did, you have watched the whole show. So could you briefly tell us, you know, for people who may ha not have seen the show, but are checking are checking out this wonderful stream, either because they love Struggle Session or because they love Katie Helper or because they're here for our wonderful uh, charity, Snacks and Solidarity, mm -hmm. make sure to hit them up. Uh, what's that Venmo, Jack? Uh, the Venmo's at Solidarity and Snacks. Um, I was out there with them today in Skid Row. They do really uh, great work. Um, you know, there's a lot of people uh, that they that they helped with food and with all kinds of supplies today. Uh, so make sure to send your Venmo's to at Solidarity and Snacks. All right. So, Lenny, for people who may not have seen the show, but are still checking this out, what, what's the broad brush? stroke of what this show is about. What is Halt and Catch Fire about? Uh, it's about these five people, Joe, Cameron, uh, Donna, Gordon, and Boz, uh, who come together in the very early uh, days of the personal computer and the internet and shows um, them working on various businesses and innovations over about a 10 year period. Um, and you just follow how their their relationships change, their their business and personal relationships change over this this span of time. Yeah, Scratchy Record just says we have raised six hundred and seventy dollars. That's why my jaw dropped while you know wow. while uh, Lenny wow. was uh, speaking. I'm gonna go well, also ahead. because of what Lenny was saying, which was yeah, really also pretty. because of, I was like oh, they for through the personal computer era. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, so this is a show and really when I I didn't get this show at first and YB was watching, I was like because I didn't I also didn't get Mad Men either because I couldn't figure out like what is the show about? It's about people who work at an ad agency like is one of them like a vampire <laughs> or like are they serial killer do is they time travel like I, I i yeah i i didn't understand like who's what the was mad like man? the premise the mad right. man superhero yes <laughs> yes <laughs> and called and catch fire kind of has a little bit of that but ultimately what what i did figure out watching it especially the second season that it is about these uh relationships and these characters and these people who go around inventing every single innovation that happened in the past in the in the height of you know the silicon valley era but always get it stolen by somebody mm -hmm. richer and they keep they, they never trust each other enough and they keep end up can, screwing can i each ask other something over. i know i'm not a host i'm i'm a guest but can i just ask something are you oh, what please. are all of your opinions on mad men because i was reading about it and a lot of people compared the show to mad men and um i want to know just because uh, I actually really was thinking like, it's not like Mad Men, it kind of is. It has a very, it's very uh, period based, right? Mm -hmm. Like time period based. Although we should talk about this because I think that they really understate the 80s aesthetic for reasons yeah. we can get into. And I, I think it's a bit cowardly, honestly, if I'm being <laughs> honest, I think it's a pretty big <laughs> cop out move. There's a lot of vanity in there. But um, I realized that the thing that's similar for me uh, is that there's not one character I, I love similar to Mad Men, but I find this much more engaging. I stopped watching Mad Men. I don't remember how many seasons in, but I was yeah. just curious because you, you, do you guys like Mad Men? Do you, do you think it's so yeah, to, what be, to be fair? I, for some reason, never completed Mad Men. I think I watched every season except for the last season. I think maybe but I, I did too, but I did like Mad Men and I do like Mad Men. Um, 
I think Mad Men, you have to place all these things sort of in like the history of TV and sort of the recent history of prestige TV. And Mad Men was still kind of coming off of this like post Sopranos. It's also, a, you know, a, a, a Max. What the hell is his name? Matt uh, uh, Wiener. Matt Wiener show, uh, um, you know, he wrote for the Sopranos that was kind of about like, you know, toxic uh, men. You know what I mean? Toxic male antiheroes or whatever. And so while I kind of agree that this and Mad Men both have the similarity that they're kind of just about people at work and it's not the most sort of like plotty plot show and it's more about the characters interacting with each other, which is something that I like. Um, I think that maybe this like has a sort of more richness to it because it doesn't have just like, you know, the guy who's like a really fucked up fucker of a guy. (laughs) Yeah. And my thing with Mad Men is everyone pretends it's a critique, but most people either wanted to be Don Draper Uh or wanted to date Don Draper. That's my theory. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I I got into this way more than I ever got Same. into Mad Men. I, I, I like I said, I just realized I really did watch most of season three and season four just because like there was so, there's just something a lot more interesting about the characters in this show that yeah. just just more like sucked me in. Even the characters like I dislike, like yeah. I don't like Cameron, but I think she's like a better TV villain for me <laughs> than like anybody in Mad Men, you know, like I still like seeing her be like a piece of shit boss and yeah. like trying to watch Joe. How, like, I like how how much Joe unravels her. I like seeing, I, I love to see it. So I, I even the characters I dislike, I, I appreciate more than most of the characters, that hooked me more than most of the characters in Mad Men did, even though I, ne- I never really tried to watch it. <laughs> and Lenny, so you're our TV expert. Where, where are you weigh in on the Mad Men Halt and Catch Fire comparison? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Mad Men, and I see the comparison, and I think that uh, has a lot to do with sort of what Jack was saying of how you can like skip 10 seconds at a time, Um, but I don't think it has the sort of extreme Mad Men aspect of where it will be like, you know, someone looks at a phone and that's the second act, you know, like it's actually (laughs) really exciting to watch. Yeah. And I really do think, I don't know if I expressed this clearly, but I do think that like the show pretends to be more of a critique, Mad Men, that is, pretends to be more of a critique than it is. Yeah. Like, I really think they do think Draper is cool. Well, I'm not trying to, I don't want to like, you know, you do have to separate the art from the artist and everything. Yeah, I know. But I, in some ways, it has affected my view of Mad Men that I heard the story, you know, that the head, you know, there was a female writer on the show who was like a very accomplished writer and wrote a lot of great episodes. And she outed Matthew Weiner as like late one night working on the show. He was to her like, you need to sleep with me like you owe this to me. And I was like, oh, he was just trying to develop the Don Draper character. Be like Don Draper. You don't like think he sucks. You think that that's like the way a, a boss acts and like you know the way and what an underling should be like or whatever i was like ah that kind of colors my opinion of batman in a weird way that's what (laughs) i felt like and i don't have the announce like i don't have any uh i couldn't explain why but i definitely got that vibe and i'm sure like film you guys are real film people and tv people. oh we're filmers in a big way (laughs) there's something i'm sure that you could analyze but it definitely felt like it was an and of course there's a difference between depiction and endorsement but it felt like a closeted endorsement of don draper like it felt like it was hiding they make him a little too cool cool. yeah (laughs) um whereas i think with the characters in halt and catch fire there is a real complexity i didn't feel like they were as like 
I don't feel like the 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 people who made the show either wanted to be um, Joe or were just like lusting after that character. The way I right. got the sense with, and I want to say Matthew Weiner that you brought a lot of shame on the Wesleyan community because we both went to Wesleyan. Did not overlap. He's older than me, obviously, oh. but yes. so yeah. So we just mentioned it. It's the show is about the character so let's get into each one we all have our different perspectives from our different seasons but let's try you know to kind of piece it together so let's start off with who i think is kind of maybe maybe the uh antagonist of the show for me personally cameron what do y'all think about cam killer cam well do you guys agree that that she's the antagonist I don't know if I agree with that necessarily. I think that like my personal Cameron, antagonist. Well, that's, a, personal that's Leslie's antagonist. personal antagonist. Right. I think honestly, I I I look at the show and I'm like, uh, you know, every character. I mean, I only watched season three and I watched it with my 10 second method. Um, but, you know, uh, I do feel like every character I was. Uh, OK, well, I, we're talking about Cameron. I like Cameron, to be honest with you. Cameron's like impossible, but, you know, is a sort of like, well, um, this type of genius, I feel like we see portrayed on television, but I think that this is maybe the version that's been portrayed that I've seen with the most humanity, you know, uh, uh, there's, we've seen so much of the sort of distant, you know, uh, um, genius who is very focused on their work, but Cameron, I do kind of, it feels like a, a person, you know, and I don't necessarily agree that Cameron is the antagonist. Um, I think that maybe, well, maybe capitalism itself is the antagonist. Mm, at the end of the day. <laughs> I, can, I literally can say that about every show of course. made in America. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's your... So, Leslie, your personal antagonist is uh, Cameron. And Jack and Lenny, do you guys have a, a, a personal well, antagonist? Well, I just want to talk about Cameron first. Oh, oh sorry. Will. Sorry, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to challenge... You see, I'm a Cameron. I'm just blowing shit up. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And like you're like Bosworth, Leslie, who I really yeah. like. But Cameron, okay, let's talk about Cameron. Yeah. 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 I think what I like about Cameron, which also probably makes her like pretty hateable, um, but I feel like uh, a lot of the time when you can sense that someone is like the self insert for like the creative making it, um, it comes across very like um, just sort of having a chip on your shoulder and just like making everyone who's against their creative vision, just like an obvious straw man and like they're always right. And I'd like that Paul and Catch Fire acknowledges how, you know, how awful it can be when uh, 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 corporations or whatever are trying to control you and inhibit your, uh, your artistic vision. Um, and at the same time is very often like Cameron is being a petulant child. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I really like that complexity in it. Yeah, I do like that Cameron is like impossible, you know, yeah. and that there really is like no way this this person like there's no way to win. Like whichever side you kind of stake out, like Cameron will kind of find the val the value in the opposite side. It just it's a, a Cameron's a frustrating character. Yeah, I I liked also how like um. I appreciated her aesthetic. I feel like this aesthetic isn't really like uh, used in in most film in most shows. Like I feel like it's if it's as mainstream as this, then they don't they don't really try to go for people who kind of buck the gender norms. Um, 
And I think that she, you know, of course there's some like model chic thing going on, but I, I kind of like what a slob she was and how yeah. she really had short hair and not She's, short hair in like the very cutesy way. She does have a punk slob core aesthetic. And I, yeah. of course, uh, uh, appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think, I think part of the reason it's so hard for me to keep focus on one character is because, uh, I, what, and I think Lenny, you were speaking to this, which is that like, they are very complex. So, uh, my loyalties kind of like shift back and forth, mm. um, which you don't, I don't experience that much. I usually like really just like certain characters and dislike certain characters. I think Gordon is kind of constantly annoying, but even that is somewhat endearing. Like he's such an annoying, like stick in the mud, but that <laughs> has its charm also. Um, Kate, Kate said that I was most like Gordon and in watching the show, I was like, oh, I get it. And it's not in the way that I like. So much. <laughs> all, right, all right. So let's talk about, Gordon, old, old sag sack himself, yes. who who would be, you know, such a sweetheart, like he would be like the character you automatically would root for. But he's like kind of an asshole, too, a yeah. lot of the time, <laughs> a lot of times. He he's fucks like up a, a very particular and prickly person, you yeah. know, uh, uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, Reynolds Woodcock in Gordon, you know, and it's like, again, it's just like over like some stupid shit a lot of the time. Like, that's why when I kind of looked at watched Gordon, I was like, man, this guy like gets a little too like frustrated about stupid shit, yeah. which uh, <laughs> I can identify with. Yeah. And a little self-pitying and grandiose. Yes. Yes. Which is annoying. Yeah. But he's yeah, I haven't seen him look like this. I've only seen the first season. You know, because I really like to go deep depth oh. over breath. So, yeah, I still yeah, I I wish I, first season. I, I wish we did ha get this contract nailed a little bit earlier because it would be worth looking at all the different yeah. facial hair and hairstyles because every season it changes pretty radically, at least for the for the guys. It, it does. Uh, at one point, Joe gets the uh, he try he goes for like full Steve oh, wow. jobs, which kind of worked a little bit. Uh, for him, but this is Gordon Wayne. Yeah, nice and clean with the mustache. I like him with the beard also, too. Sorry. Oh, Lenny. Oh, Lenny, what do you think of uh, old Gordon? Uh, yeah, I think I I really like him. Uh, Cameron and Don are definitely my favorites, but uh, yeah, I like that Gordon is often like the voice of reason with other people. Like he gives good advice, mm, yeah, um, but true. then isn't as good at yeah. just being himself. <laughs> totally, yeah. But absolutely anything he tries to do yeah. is a complete yeah. disaster. That, that is, is good, perfect. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I gotta say, I kind of like Joe. I gotta say, okay. I mean, so are, right. do, is there anything else I should Let's say get... about? Well, first of all, oh, he looks a lot like um, Steve Carell. Who does he look like there? Not himself. <laughs> he Maybe does Steve look Carell. like Steve Carell. Kind of like Javier Bardem. Picture. Yeah, this is Javier an odd Bardem picture. This is, yeah. this is a yeah. I probably need and, to get a bit uh, better picture from my boy up there. I think here's what I was saying though before, which is that there is an there is while I appreciated to some extent Cameron's aesthetic, there's a, they're very tame. They don't really embrace the '80s. They don't want to go there because they know it's ugly. It's ugly clothing, right? And so like <laughs> they don't commit. Gordon is kind of close. Donna is, but it's in a very hipstery way. But Joe is really not '80s, and. I just don't appreciate how much they're trying to tone it down. Mm. I think it's cowardly. I do. I think it's not. They're 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 being. They're not being. <laughs> you think, you think being everybody needed to look like a fucking goofball on this show? A little uh, bit more goofballish. Like he <laughs> he wore like normal. There was nothing '80s about his ties or anything for for Joe. 
Unless he's supposed to be the future in term, even in like how he dresses, but I don't think so. He's supposed to be like a yeah. a fashion innovator yeah. as well as <laughs> as a. So Joe, I do like Joe a lot. He's definitely my favorite character. He is the you know the typical right. bad boy character, but he but he never right. wins <laughs> is the thing, right? He actually like fucks up and has principles sometimes yeah. for no particular reason. He never seems to able to hold on to anything he does, even though he is the guy who like really puts it all together. Like he yes, he steals yeah. all their ideas, but they weren't going <laughs> yeah, to do exactly. anything with him. Like I like i love joe like he like i wish they had like if they had trusted him and believed in him and took it as word and listened to him i think everyone would have probably ended up happier on the whole like i think joe even though he's out for himself but he's like out to make like a billion dollars and he's got right. that drive and he's got that passion just attach yourself exactly. to that he rocket ship you it'll up. take you exactly. straight up yeah i but they are so they are but the camera's like, oh, I want to make my little 2D games. And Gordon's like, Gordon, I don't even know what Gordon or Donna really want. Or like, they definitely should around with the ham radio. <laughs> yeah. Like, I did like how good Joe was with the kids, with the daughters, with Gordon and Donna's daughters. I like that scene. Well, uh, well, yeah, yeah. But I, I did want to uh -oh. mention, since I did have season two, this is my special season two hot take. The kids basically more or less disappear for most of season two. They're barely in it, except for one time, one of the girls kind of runs away. Oh. or uh, And they see the Gordon get in a fight. But the kids kind of do disappear a, a little bit in uh, season two. But that doesn't take away what they had with Joe. It doesn't take yes, away from yes. what, how good Joe is with them. You know, you know, Joe would be a good dad. Yeah. You know, Joe would be a good dad. Yeah, I, I mean, kinda... a kind of a sociopathic dad, but like in other ways, good. Probably better <laughs> yes. uncle than dad. Probably. Yes, yes, exactly. Kay. You have it exactly right. Um, I like Joe, actually. And I was kind of, you know, I had only watched season three. And so I kind of at the start of the season was feeling like, oh, this man is the villain or whatever. Basically, yeah. just because like. I like Gordon and Gordon is always talking too. about, you know, how he stole the idea or whatever. But and he's Gordon is lying about that, Jack, by the way. Gordon is full of shit. That's what's so great about Joe, not watching any the full season. Joe K. Maybe Lenny, you can adjudicate. But my opinion is that Joe came to Gordon and said, hey, let's do this. I have a big thing. And Gordon's like, no, I'm going to move to California and be my wife. And then Joe's like, okay, I'll move to California too. Let's do this. <laughs> and Gordon's like, no, I'm sad. Bye. No. And then, then, Joe, then he, he reads in the newspaper that Joe has made like a million dollars selling this out. idea that he put up together. And now, and then he spends all the season three, like mad at Joe because he didn't listen to Joe. Joe called him, <laughs> said, get in on this. Well, I, you know, and as I said, I started the season kind of thinking like, oh, this guy is, you know, almost like a huckster guy or something. And, you know, this season three includes, you know, this character Ray becoming sort of like another Gordon to him or something like that. And they're blue skying ideas together. Um, but yeah, I actually do kind of agree with you. These like programmer guys, it almost like indicts that kind of, you know, like you feel like didn't Steve Jobs make some complaints like this that everything was stolen from him or I guess Wozniak kind of did. It's almost like an indictment of that as well, where it's like, yes, you like looked up NF NSF net or whatever, but I told you to look up NSF net and I figured out what it all was and you sort of put together the information about it. And then, yeah, like you said, Leslie, and I like this, like 
he tells people to fuck off and like you know the uh uh there's a part in the third so Gordon season, or, or or Joe 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 okay. like you know in the third season there's this sequence where like you know see. someone who like represents 33% of the company's like uh, uh, billing or something like that um you know he uh, his son came to a party at Joe's and like did coke and crashed his car but then the guy comes in to make good uh, but then the guy is a shithead and he's a homophobe and everything is going to be all good. But Joe can't help himself, but be like, fuck you. Your wife hates you. Your son hates you. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm like, I actually, I'm like, man, I like, I, I kind of like that shit. I, I also like that this man's like, he's like a little kooky and like, he is like, he's not just a huckster guy. Like he's uh, like an artist or something. Can I <laughs> and yeah. Matthew Lillard is so good as the, the other boss at Macmillan Utilities. By the way, he, um, see in that picture of him where we, it does, he doesn't look like Steve Jobs in that picture. He really looks like Steve Corral playing Steve Jobs in that picture. Not this picture, but the other one. Hopefully that's a more handsome picture yeah. of him. I actually want to say like, it was actually kind of hard to get graphics and stuff for this because this show is really like kind of uh, really underappreciated. Mm -hmm. I was trying to uh, get recaps for each season, but AMC stopped doing the recaps after season two. Like it really. That's this... where Jack comes in with the 10 second <laughs> approach. Yeah. Yeah. You but gotta the, do the 10 second, second this... method. This show is really unappreciated. And again, I want to thank uh, Kate and Joan for kind of highlighting the show because, I, as I said, I was kind of skeptical of the show, but this show really kind of won uh, me over. And, you know, Joe is a big part of it. I, I love his journey. I, I really think, you know, not to spoil anything uh, uh, for Katie who and Jack who I haven't mean, seen it. Yeah, but, you know, I really do like his whole, you know, journey and where he ends up. And I'm, I'm pretty happy for him. Um, by the end of the series. What did you think of the ending for Joe? Since we do end the series on him, we started and finished it with him. <laughs> I, I saw some good takes in chat. I just wanted to share uh, one earlier. I liked, and I don't I haven't seen all the episodes, but I love this idea. Dash seven said, I think every character gets a season like where they're the protagonist and, uh -huh, and, and one where they're the antagonist. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Which I think yeah. is an interesting, you know, I haven't seen the seasons, but you know, I'll keep that in mind as I rewatch it. Um, and then I also like this mall weasel take with, I think Joe projects an ideal image and then people end up projecting that projecting their hopes onto him. And he's simply not prepared for that responsibility. Oh, that's a great uh, take. I yeah. think also that's very well sort of, uh, uh, highlighted in season three with the relationship <laughs> with this Ray character, uh, and all that goes on with that, that I don't want to spoil. Uh, yeah, Lenny, of all the seasons, none of them captures it for Jack as much as the one season he saw. <laughs> <laughs> Lenny, break down Joe for us. Who is Joe? What does Joe want? Uh, Joe sort of started off as the one I liked the least. And yeah, I think too. probably still is, oh, okay. but it's like closer. I'm like, like more. I like Joe more each time I watch it. You dislike him uh, less yeah. each time you watch it. Um, no, I like genuinely like Joe. It's like the kind of show where like my least favorite character on Halt and Catch Fire would be my favorite character on a different show. Um, but uh, I think sort of like what makes it hard to get into Joe at first is he almost feels like the like Trojan horse they needed to like get the show made. Of, yeah. like, <laughs> if you're gonna make a show about sad nerds, there needs to be this like cool right. badass guy. In there. <laughs> um, but I think one of the things that makes Joe stand out a lot from other like 
cool uh, badass protagonists um, is definitely his sexuality. And I think yes. they do mm-hmm. really interesting stuff with that. And that is sort of my ideal uh, show is like a bunch of characters I love and then anyone I like less is queer. <laughs> um, like, yeah. But yeah, I think Joe is exactly what uh, you guys were saying that he sort of presents as like so cool and great and larger than life that you do sort of attach to him. And he always tells you what, what you want to hear. You know, he tells Gordon and Cameron what geniuses they are when no one else will, um, which kind of ruins their relationships with everyone who's not Joe and is not telling them those things. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, like you said, he, he can't live up, which um can make him seem like a sort of grifter or make him seem just like a human with vulnerabilities, depending on like how you look at it. Can, hmm. oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm just, can we talk about one scene in particular? I know we're doing it by character. Oh, oh, sure, sure. But so, okay, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm a little slow. That scene where he seduces this guy, the first, well, so I'm only in season one. So we learn about his relationship with that artist who's a man. And yeah, I really like that. Yeah, I really like that episode. That was Me a really too. great episode. And but before that, there's another scene where we learn that, you know, well, we see him m- making out with a guy. But I couldn't really tell. And that to me, though, didn't seem like anything but um, uh, transactional. Like he was trying to to get this woman. And I OK, here's what I don't really get. He doesn't like this woman who is a potential, what, going to buy the business. I'm so bad at computers and business. This is a great scene for me to talk about. But um, she has this, like, male plaything. Is that right? Or is he, are they in a relationship? Or is she, like, are they sleeping together, this woman? Someone mentioned in the chat that 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 is a boy toy. I haven't seen that episode yet. But they did mention that. But somebody did mention that they like that show, that that episode where Joe, uh, fucks the rich lady's boy toy is what yeah. they said in the chat. <laughs> right, okay. Because I was just confused if we were supposed to think that he was, I couldn't tell if, if he was her, like a boy toy and there was an added layer where we were supposed to think that he wasn't into women, which adds another layer of it, or that part maybe just wasn't clear. We don't really know if he's into women, maybe he's into women and men. I'm talking about the boy toy, not Joe. But um, I like that they did that and then that they did a more like a realer relationship that right, is yeah. different. I, really I like the like range. The, sort of the first time it comes up, it seems like he's bisexual, like largely out of spite. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, like as uh, an, uh, an opportunistic way, but then you're like, oh no, this is different. And so even his sexuality, it's like runs the gamut from being like transactional and opportunistic to actually, you know, based on more. With Although, Cameron too, Lord, right? Lord yes, that, fight, exactly. Fight Kate sexual. just said, "Kate just said in the chat, isn't it transsexual with Cameron too?" <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I okay, did. I've only seen the first one, but I do feel like he falls in love with her uh, in season one. Well, let's talk about this. I, yeah. I, we we're running close on time. We will get to our other two carriers, but let's talk about the Joe Donna situationship. Joe Cameron goes, or Joe Donna? Uh, just so excuse me, Joe Cameron uh, situationship that's going on throughout the series i never really bought the i've really liked them bought them more as enemies than as like a couple ever you know i really just didn't think that those two personalities could ever be happy uh with with one another in any real way well i think in season one which i don't think you saw right 
which is fine. No. I'm not calling out anyone, but you did not see it. No, I saw some of it, just some. Okay, you saw bit. some of it. So I feel like in season one, it goes from being like a an annoying relationship that's just like physical and kind of cliched to actually, okay, I see it. Like, I think that they're in love on some level, but then there's this moment where he touches a current and she touches him. Do you know, is this right, Lenny? As the person who has actually seen the whole thing, like he touches a, a like a, a plug and He's like, like he's getting uh, electrocuted. But I think there actually is something there. Like it's not just a dance that he's doing. And then she touches him and they like get really aroused. And I was like, no, this has got to stop. Like what is happening? This is so corny. Cause it's about being like how they're turned on. That was like, I don't know if they let some like person write that scene in, like they lost a bet or something. But besides that, I like their, their interaction towards the end. And I like that scene with the, when you learn about his past with that artist, I thought it was very clever. Maybe this was like over the top and not at all nuanced and, and ham, um, hammering us over the head. But I like that scene where you think, where you get to hear what he's saying to the guy who's sick and you think that, and then she sees them from the behind, you know, she's turning around, sees them. And from her angle, it looks like they're having a more sexual interaction, but really it's, it's like, friends interaction where he finds out he's dying. I really like that scene too. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. With his, um, with his ex-boyfriend, right. Yeah. That designs the computer room. Yeah. That was yeah. a really, uh, good episode. Yeah. So moving on. Such a metaphor. Oh, I got for one how more we... Gordon yeah. thing. And this oh. is, you know, also, um, from the wonderful season three, um, or no, not Gordon. Sorry, Joe. Uh, uh, also from the wonderful season three, um, uh, uh, which is the handling of you know this is like actually something that does sort of put it in the eighties, maybe more than other uh, moments in the show. Of uh, uh, there's a scene where a guy just shows up to his house, and I find out from looking online because I looked it up uh, that he has never appeared in the show before, and he shows up like in tears, and we don't know what the hell is going on. Uh, and then, you know, Joe gets a call later, uh, basically telling him that he does not have HIV um, after, you know, being exposed, basically. And, you know, um, I just thought this was like a very cool, you know, kind of just plunked right in the middle um, of all the plotty, you know, stuff. And it is a very sort of character moment. Um, that was like a I, I, it was, you know, a very effective uh, couple of scenes there uh, uh, there in the middle of uh, season three. We should right. have another convention where we've all where seen Lenny's the whole not the thing. only person. Who's seen <laughs> the whole yeah. All right. Moving on to next character, Donna Lenny. I did not get Donna. I've I watched most of the show. I still don't understand Donna. Can you please explain Donna to me? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think if you didn't get her watching it, I'm not going to promise that you ever will. Because uh, for me, it was definitely immediate um, how much I cared about her. Um, but yeah, I really, uh, I like how much she changes over the show. And I think this is what's really impressive about Halt and Catch Fire in general is that it is 40 episodes, but uh, people change so much, but it doesn't feel... Um, it doesn't feel rushed. Um, uh, they time jump. They time jump in right, the show yeah. very well. And yeah, it just feels so different from most TV because, you know, compared to like 
how much has like Olivia Benson changed and we've been watching her <laughs> since 1999, you know? Um, but yeah, I really, I think they do this almost cliche sort of uh, story of her like becoming more empowered and independent in a way that I felt like didn't feel patronizing to me and felt uh, pretty organic and genuine. Um, so that's what I liked about it. Yeah, I guess the thing I didn't get is like, it, like it was a good like as far if you're gonna do a lean in story, this is one of the least like offensive and neoliberal ones you can do because they keep getting screwed over by richer company. But I guess my thing was like her main her main thing was that she was just really good at like work and her job. And I, I didn't know what else was there to that character. I, I struggled with it. Katie. Did you what? Maybe I is because I missed season one. What did you see? In, about Donna in season one. Well, what I liked about her is that she was so like she had such a housewife um, like aesthetic and and also personality, but also worked like she had such a uh, which I thought was an interesting contrast that you don't really see like she was just a very much like you wouldn't predict based on the beginning because of how much she was. I mean, I'm wait, what am I saying though? In real life, obviously, this happens all the time. Both the man and the woman will work in certain couples, right? They're both high powered. But on TV tropes and stuff, you don't. You yeah, it's see not. It. Yeah, you see that uh, usually on TV, it's either like she stays at home and takes care of the kids or she's like cutthroat like the, the husband. But in this, she wasn't really cutthroat, but she was like she was a genius, as much of a genius, if not more, as Gordon was. Which like you didn't get the sense, I didn't get the sense of that at all at the very beginning. Like I thought it was gonna be very much about a man pursuing his dreams and his vision and his, you and know, his nagging creativity. Wife, yeah, yelling exactly. at him right. to right. come take care of the kids. Right. Yeah, yeah especially because yeah, Lenny, sorry. Yeah. Oh, I, I sort of think what's so interesting about Donna is it takes this thing we kind of throw around as a cliche a lot of like women can't have it all, right. um, which is usually portrayed in such a like simplistic way, um, which is why it's such a like itchy cliche thing. Um, but like when you're watching on a storyline, you're like, oh, like I get it. Like having kids does actually really change a woman's life. And like, they're actually dramatizing this instead of um, sort of simplifying it like so many things do. Right, yeah. Like you got the sense it wasn't like overly, yeah, it just, it was just like made it like, oh, this is something that happens and it's complex, but it's, it wasn't one extreme or the other. It was like Gordon's not as good or as present as she is, but it's not like a total abandonment, like damsel in distress thing, nor is it a total um, egalitarian relationship, which I think, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I would say more about the Donna-Gordon relationship, uh -oh. but Katie, you haven't seen the rest of the show, but this is probably where, you know, you have the biggest drama in the okay. show, but this... Uh, if you want to pull your headphones yeah, off just a, just that, for yeah. for a second tell me so go like just go wave when you're done okay wave. i wave when okay. i'm done all right so lenny of, of course we got to talk about gordon's death which mm -hmm. takes place over three seasons one of the most excruciating things on tv to watch you have you know he's as i say he's kind of a jerk but he still is like the most vulnerable of all these characters and then they make him sick and then they make you watch him like get it really hard stuff to watch and it really is so dissonant from like the other things that are happening in the show sometimes because most of the time it's just like Cameron and Joe making fuck eyes at each other and Gordon's <laughs> just like uh, hey I'm just over here no I'm I'm fine guys don't 
don't worry about me. And he's like going in fugue states and, and shit, like absolutely uh, gut riching uh, to see over time. And re- but really like good TV, good TV. What did you think about, you know, that arc, that very sad arc for a poor Gordon? Yeah, I think that worked really well. And um, it's funny, it is almost this thing of like, um, you know, if it's the season f- uh, the season finale or the series finale and they need uh, a dramatic death and you're the only per- the only straight white man on the show, like watch <laughs> out because they're going to be thinking about the optics. Um, <laughs> but I think it worked really well. And I think um, it, uh, it was a good ending for Donna um, because they kept the they kept the relationship close and they always mattered to each other. Um, and you get, a, you get a little bit of, um, in the, one of the episodes towards the end, uh, one of her daughters is like, why do you care? Like you couldn't stand each other. And um, you got that, uh, you definitely got that from them, but uh, you're left with the feeling of how much they mattered to each other. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we're gonna bring Katie back on. Before we talk about, I think maybe was that a wave? Yes, that was yeah. a wave. We're I gonna like talk him. about is the he... fan favorite, maybe every most people's favorite character. Oh sure, Boz. Does he come back after? Oh good, he does come back. Okay. Oh, he's oh in, wow. Yeah. Okay, oh, he's they had him. to keep Boz around. Had to, had to keep Boz around. Yeah. I think he's almost everybody's favorite character. Just you gotta love him. Just a raw bone Texas badass who has like a good heart too he's really probably the only maybe the only character to show you can really say has a heart of gold and he's the one that covered goes to prison coal, he's the one coal, that goes yeah. to prison for cameron by the way i do I, that, I actually think that's the main thing i don't like about cameron is that she got boss sent to prison and then didn't she didn't go in herself and break him out she does she deserved to go in herself but boss went in by did the time by himself didn't snitch and i just didn't feel like she really took care of him but right i think he wanted that. to do he he really instigated it yeah yeah but but I, she as the younger healthier person shouldn't have let him take the the hit um but he also did right am i right that he like ordered the cops to physically batter joe oh i guess uh, somebody is mentioning that i remember he had the cops be up joe that he goes to prison for cab <laughs> what like, a character yeah, yeah. He, so he like he beat him up he had him beaten up um that is by, fucked up i did i forgot about that so yeah i mean i mean i'm not look people are complex you know he look, prison he, did he, rehabilitate him he did come out better <laughs> no but he came out he was already good because remember to be fair he had joe beaten up by i'm sure extremely racist you know police brutality brutalizing cops maybe this is like a little bit of a equalizing agenda like we'll have a white victim Right, and <laughs> but he, then, but he's bisexual, so now right. you, you bring yeah, it up. See. Yes, but I don't think he knew that. And in fact, later on in season I think it one, counts- <laughs> when he has that guy in the in the strip joint in the strip club who says, "You weren't smiling at any of these ladies. What are you a queer?" Boz punches him in the face uh, uh, he, in defense of Joe's honor. Yeah, yeah, I, I will say, Katie Boz has another woke moment when one of the coders ends up uh is gay and he's just like well all right <laughs> he's but, yeah he's woke, woke boss yep. okay yeah <laughs> all right every uh lenny what do you think of boss yeah i love boss um 
Now you guys are mentioning that he does have more complexities, but I was thinking he's sort of the one that it's sort of easy to be like, oh, he's just Buzz, he's great. Um, he's fun. Compared to the others. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's delightful seeing him. It was weird because I watched a bunch of King of the Hill right before my latest rewatch. <laughs> and sometimes you're like, oh, that's Khan. And it's very weird. Um, but uh, yeah, he's, he's great. Uh, slight spoiler, but I do love that he's a trophy husband. <laughs> Took my thing out. Tell me, yeah. is, is it is spoiler done? Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And Boz is does kind of end up being, even though this is a show of beautiful people, Boz is probably the one with you know that really is the sex symbol of the show. <laughs> yes. If I'm being honest with you, hmm. my lesbian roommate just tweeted about how much how hot Boz is. Actually, <laughs> it, it transcends everything. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. So I so we were talking about these beautiful. He is people. transcendent. He truly is. And yeah. that's a good, that's what he gets for being, for his allyship. It's the least that the world could give him. Yeah. So I do want to bring up, let me see if I can get the slide right up here, because I found this amazing picture of like the real people who like this show is based yeah, on. How, so Kate, I always want to know, I want to know exactly how much is real and not real. Well, so it's not, it's not technically the exact same people because it's not based on any particular person. It's based on the era. Right. But if you want to, Look at this. Oh, no. This is, I don't know if I this is Sierra Online, a video game company. They made adventure games, you know, as you can see, uh, women prominent in it. And this is, you know, this is how they were. This is their fashion. Well, exactly. And they don't have the, the courage to have the people dress like that on the show. But, but yeah, yeah. Fun stuff. I remember my dad as a, as a businessman early in the 80s dressing like this, the white tie. All this very interesting times in Texas. I liked it. I, I didn't. We didn't talk about this earlier, but I really like that the show is set in Texas during this era that m most people don't know about. This big boom that around the Houston, Dallas area that really uh, changed the landscape of Texas. And it even I'm from Louisiana and bled over uh, to there too. Not in a, any kind of good way or anything. We have a bunch of tech companies. We have like oil companies and like refineries and stuff uh but you know it, it really captures i i think fairly well this part of you know history that's mostly forgotten or not really talked about and really this part of history is just like how the forces of capitalism kind of shaped our modern world in ways that just were meant to make it worse and worse and make more and more money off of us yeah, it does have a real social. I mean, it, I was thinking this earlier, something that you said, Jack, but it kind of does have a real socialist um, uh, ethos to it, right? Because it, it really does show how if people united came together, they would be able to defeat. Um, it's like this root, this ruthless, self-absorbed, self-centered pursuit of self-interest is actually self-defeating. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, also it just, kind of yeah. shows that, you know, uh, uh, these structures and sort of the desire hey, to I'll, be successful time, in this kind of, you know, uh, world, you know, sets you people against going? each other and makes like friends and people who love each other, like stab each other okay. to death. Yeah. I think Leslie is having a fight right now. Over there. No, I think he's saying we got to get be done. I think oh. no, checking I'm checking with, with the, the balls. I'm checking with balls over there. I want balls yeah. to come. <laughs> kick my ass all right you know gotta make sure we're, oh, yeah. we're, we're running on yeah. time yeah 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 
But uh, this has been an absolutely wonderful panel. So we will start, you know, get wrapping up here, giving our final th thoughts. But before we do, reminder, this is a cause. This is for Solidarity and Snacks. The Venmo's right there on the bottom of your screen at Solidarity and Snacks, a wonderful organization. And Jack, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, uh, some uh, your work with them when you visit them? What did I do? Uh, well, this week I uh, and la last week and this week I made 80 sandwiches. I made 80 uh turkey and cheddar sandwiches uh on white bread and this week i went and uh down to you know they they basically do a you know a noon um i don't know mutual aid effort every saturday uh where they give out things like you know masks and uh you know uh, soap and everything like that as well as food you know uh, we gave out turkey and cheese sandwiches they were giving out metro cards that were preloaded with like oh, five cool. bucks you know uh um, and yeah, the, uh, uh, it's, it's all in sort of community. It's all in concert with the community there who they know and have built relationships with. And so that, you know, the people in the community kind of help set up and run security and everything like that. And it's just uh, a line of people for 30, 45 minutes, uh, just handing out uh, goods and food and stuff. All right. That's great. So thank you all so much for joining us. You can find uh, us on Struggle Session at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus. Katie, where can people find you? Uh, the Katie Helper Show on YouTube. So youtube.com slash the Katie Helper Show, Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show and Useful Idiots, which is now at Substack. So usefulidiots.com dot subs usefulidiots.substack.com. Sorry about that. All right. Thank you. And Lenny, where can people find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Lenny Burnham, and you can find my podcast, Chapter Surfing, on Apple Podcasts. And Jack, of course, where can people find you? Oh, on Struggle Session and Jack AM, you know, Struggle Session at sesh.plus and at Jack AM at twitch.tv slash Jack AM. All right. And thank Sunday you. nights, Katie Halper oh, Show. Katie Halper Show Thursday. every Thursday, Katie yeah. Halper Show. Everyone, thank you so much. Thank you. Alton Catch, uh, all. Catch Con. Thank you. Peace. Thanks for having us. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? 
Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or strugglesession.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.